0: If you have your Bibles, so I want you to go with me to the book of Genesis. While you're turning there, let me make a quick announcement. After service, when we meet for uh, Easter production practice, we're going to meet in the chapel. Give me about 13 minutes to get back there. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I just thought 13 sounded so much better than 15. Okay. <laughs> Then if I'm, if I'm there in 15 minutes, I'm only two minutes late. So, all right. Okay. Genesis chapter 15, starting with verse 2. This is in the NLT. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. Then the Lord said to him, No. Your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then, I I want you to listen to this next phrase. Then the Lord took Abram outside. Everybody say outside. And said to him, look up. Would you say that with me? Look up. Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word God, we're so thankful for your love. We just ask you to speak to us today. God, I'm asking you, God, let me get out of the way so you can have your way. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would say this with me, look up and believe. Say it one more time. Look up and believe. I want to speak to you for just a little while on this thought, look up and believe. You know, we talked about that song, that I, I choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. Abraham is wrestling with something. Abraham has been given a promise. The promise has already been spoken. How many of you recognize today that you've been given a promise? You, you, have, you say, well, I'm not sure what the promise is. It's right here. There's, there's a promise we have of eternal life. There's a promise we have that I'll never leave you or forsake you. There's a promise we have that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. There's all kinds of promises that he's made us in here. Now Abraham had a promise, but he didn't see that promise happening when he wanted it to happen. So he he got down in the mouth. How many of you have ever been down in the mouth? You know what that's when your mouth is dragging the floor and you can step and get your foot in it. It's a, we, we say things, when we're down in the mouth, we say things that we normally wouldn't say. We, we do things we normally wouldn't do because our focus is off. So he knows he's got a promise, but he goes to God, and he goes to God. Now listen to what he says. What good are all your blessings? He doesn't deny he's been blessed. He's just saying, what's the point of it? Well, what's the point of all this? Why? Because he's focused on what he doesn't have instead of what he does have. What he doesn't have at that moment is a son. What he does have is a relationship with God. And when all of a sudden something becomes more important to you than your relationship with God, you're in trouble. So Abraham gets this in his head and he's going, man, what's the point? You know, what? what's the point of all these blessings? I don't have a son that I'm going to leave this to. My my servant's going to end up being my heir. I mean, I've done all this, and it, it's been for nothing. You ever get yourself worked up in a big funk? You know what I'm talking about? It's like you get you, know, you get all this stuff going in your head, and it's, it's like... It. Anybody ever look at you and say, oh, you got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning? Do you ever look at yourself in the mirror and say... You need to straighten up, fella. <laughs> what, what are you saying? I'm saying is our thinking gets wrong. And so what God does, I want you to watch this, because what God does, God understands that the answer to Abraham's discouragement is to look up and believe. So what he does is he takes Abraham out of the environment he's in. He takes him outside. Everybody say outside. When summertime came around and I was a kid, our parents had a rule. (laughs) Thank you. Outside. (laughs) We wanted to sit in the house and watch television. You know, all the good cartoons, Bugs Bunny, Woody Woodpecker. You know, we, we wanted to sit around and watch that stuff. And Daddy go, all right, everybody, outside and play. What was he doing? He was saying he wanted us out there to get some exercise. So we would, sometimes they, they, they would send us out and they would lock the back door. You, you're, going to, you're going to go outside and get some exercise. What happens is sometimes we've got to get away from our way of thinking so God takes Abraham away from his surroundings he's inside that tent that tent is empty he's got no Sun in there and he says outside and he takes him outside and then he says now look up and believe he looks up and when he looks up he sees all the stars in the sky and God says now I want you to try and count those stars because that's how many descendants I'm going to give you. Believe, Abraham. Look up and believe. Now, does Abraham have a son? Yes, he does. Does he see his son's children? Does he see his seed or all of his grandchildren, great grandchildren, great, 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 does he see it all multiply to so that it's like the stars of heaven? No. Did it happen? Yes, you've got to understand that the promise is bigger than you are. The promise is more. Do do you get it that what God does in our life? That's why I'm thrilled to be able to speak his word and especially to streamline it. Why? Because once the word goes out there, it'll be out there long after I'm gone. Uh, It'll still be giving. uh, It'll still be declaring. It'll still be preaching. Uh, Do you understand that I'm just a part of a puzzle? my part's important is your part important until you get that in your head you'll never fit in the picture that your part is important that you matter that you have a destiny you have a promise and what God is saying is quit thinking inside the tent quit allowing the environment you're in to dictate to your thought. quit looking at the problem and begin to look up and believe and you'll see the answer somebody say I believe we have to quit focusing on the problem and begin to focus on the answer look at Romans 1 and 20 For ever since the creation of of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Throw up the picture of the mountain, please. Quit focusing on the problem and begin to focus on the answer. Let me read that one more time while you're looking at that. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. How could you look at that and not see God? Being understood through his workmanship, all his creation, the wonderful things that he has made so that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense take it to the trees when you go out god's saying just go out and look around you just look up look up and believe how can how can you not see god in that you may not see god Physically, You may not see him as a man, but you see all of his handiwork around you. When you see an eagle fly, do you understand that you are taking a look at how God cares about his children? He said, I bear you on eagle's wings. What's that mean? An eagle doesn't carry its young and its talents. It carries its young on its back. And it's, it's saying this to all the archers below. Before you get to my kid, you're going to have to go through me. And they're none so so fierce it dare stir him up. Quit looking at the problem. Begin to look at him. Lift up your eyes and believe. Everybody say, believe. Man. Sometimes we just need to take a moment and quit focusing on the circumstance and focus on God. I think about times in my life when I needed to just disconnect and take time with God. Take You know, when when I'm trying to take time with God, you know where I go? I go to God's amphitheater. (laughs) I go to the mountains. I go to places where I see his handiwork on display and it reminds me that he's bigger than my situation somebody say he's bigger listen to me just because you don't get the answer you want is no reason not to believe Abraham didn't get the answer he wanted when God spoke to him to take his son to Moriah and offer him there as a sacrifice Abraham didn't want to go there. Abraham didn't want to do that, but God had him take the trip anyway. Somebody say you got to you got to take the journey. You, you got to make the trip. So watch what happens when he when he makes the trip when he goes there. James, starting with chapter two and verse twenty-three, and so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Abraham went to Moriah. He didn't want to go to Moriah. How many of you have ever prayed something and God didn't give you what you were asking for. Hold, hold it up. You know, when we get to heaven, and a lot of times we find out beforehand, we find out while we're still here. But if you don't find out while you're here, you're going to find out when you get there why you didn't get what you were asking for. And then you're going to drop down on your knees and thank him you didn't get. What you was asking for. Amen. We've got so th- there's a lot of times we ask for things that's going to get. I never I had a preacher friend, he was asking for this car. He was looking at this car. It was a convertible, baby blue, had white patent leather seats, baby moon hubcaps, and he was looking at that car. And the salesperson, oh man, he knew how to lay it on. He said, A preacher needs a car like this. He handed them the keys and he said, take it home. Try it out. You can bring it back tomorrow. Just take it home. Pray about it. <laughs> Problem is, sometimes our prayers are slanted. So he, he got down and he started praying. True story. He got down and started praying. Man's name was Ed Hall. He got down and started praying and he said, God, he said, can I have that car? Can I please have that car? And the Lord spoke to him and said, no. He got up from prayer, and went out, and looked out the window. Moon was bright, shining on that paint job. He went back, got on his knees again. He said, God, can I please have this car? Please, God, can I have this car? And God said, no, I told you don't take. He went back, and he looks again. He sees the white patent leather seats. He sees the baby moon hubcaps, and he goes back. God, please let me have this car. And God said, go ahead and get it. So he got the car. A week later, it was falling apart. Engine stopped on it, everything started going wrong. And so God gave him what he was asking for, and it became a headache. And if he would have just listened to God to begin with, he could have avoided all of that. How many of you have ever been there? Somebody said hindsight is 20 20. <laughs> it's also very painful. You know, it's kind of like when you're out on a football field and somebody says, hey, heads up! <laughs> you know, you turn around just in time to catch it right there. We've got to quit focusing on what we want and begin to ask God what he wants. Somebody say it with me. God, what do you want? <laughs> Abraham didn't want to go to Moriah. God made him go, but God gave him an answer at Moriah. And it was an answer that pleased Abraham. It was on Moriah that Abraham discovered that God is (laughs) Jehovah-Jireh. my provider he went there getting ready to sacrifice his son and God would have never allowed that to happen because he had already declared that in his word but in Abraham's mind he was going to have to go through with it and Abraham knew that if he did that God could raise him from the dead but it was there in that place where all of a sudden he raises that knife and gets ready to take his life that God stops him and answers a prayer and gives him a lamb in a thick bush or a ram in a thicket bush and showed himself to be the God that provides somebody say it with me he provides (laughs) listen what David says David makes a statement he says my voice this is Psalms 5 and 3 my voice shalt thou hear in the morning don't wait until you're in a mess to start calling on him don't wait till the middle of the day start your day with him you remember that the best part of waking up is sanka in your cup the best part of waking up is Jesus in your heart when all of a sudden man you, you need to you need to pray this one time it'll work I promise you I did this I remember I, I, I'd gotten saved and I started and I, I, I prayed and I said God I'm just asking you please let the first thing that I do in the morning please let it be to praise you to love you and God is my witness. When I woke up the next morning, without my even thinking about it, my hands went straight up in the air and I started worshiping God, man. I thought, and when I realized what was going on, I got so excited and I started thinking, him. I thought, wow, it works. <laughs> when you put him first, everything else will fall into place david recognizes if we're going to please god we just can't focus on our situation or circumstance we've got to look up and believe when god had abraham look up to the stars it was not for abraham to believe in the stars it was for abraham to trust in god david illustrates this in psalms 121 starting with verse one as i'm reading this I'm I want you to to listen to this he says I look up to the mountains Does my strength come from the mountains no my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and mountains he won't let you stumble your guardian God won't fall asleep not on your life Israel's guardian will never doze or sleep God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. Somebody say always. He's always there. Abraham didn't understand what he why he was having to go to Moriah. He just trusted God. He had looked up and he had believed. So now he's looking past his circumstance and he's focusing on God. God wasn't going to ask for Isaac's life. Then you say, well, pastor, then why go through the exercise? If God takes him there and he's not going to make him go through with it, why do it to begin with? It's an exercise in love. God wanted to find out if his relationship with Abraham was still the most important relationship in Abraham's life so it may be that God will require you to sacrifice a relationship if that relationships become more important to you than God is I want you to hear me a matter of fact let me say it this way anything that has become more important to us than God, we need to lay on an altar and sacrifice it and leave it there and say, God, here it is right here. I'm not going to pick it up. I'm, I'm gonna let it die out in my heart. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to put this thing in front of you. You are the most important relationship in my life. Somebody shout yes. Is he, is he the most important relationship in your life? Is he more important to you than climbing the corporate ladder? Is he more important to you than your job status, than your, than, than, than your relationship? You see, this is what you've got to understand. Anytime I put anything in front of God, it's become an idol. And God makes a statement. He said that you will have no other gods before me. Somebody say it with me. Look up and believe. We've got to make sure that God's still the most important relationship in our life. I want you to understand something. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Say it with me. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Look what Paul says in Romans 8 and 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And then he goes on to say, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. So here's my question. We know that nothing can separate us from God's love, the love he has for us. But could anything ever separate God from our love? Let me say it to you this way. Is there anything we love more than God? And if there's anything that we love more than God, it's going to end up drawing us away from God. I can't tell you the number of times I've, I've seen in m- my life. I, you know, I, I dealt with you know, I, youth for years and years and years and years and years. And now I look around and I'm thinking, how in the world did I get so old? <laughs> I speak, Debbie said, speak for yourself. <laughs> but I, I don't feel old. I mean honestly I know I, I know I don't look more than forty but you know when forty one creeps up on you it just you know takes you by surprise. What I'm saying is this is that all those times that Scripture talks about to the young people or to those that are young, it says, look, you, you need to rejoice in your youth. And, and let me put it in plain English. He's saying you, you need to just do whatever you, know, you want to do and have a great time doing it. But remember, you'll be brought into judgment for it. So what's it saying? The writer is trying to communicate this to us. You need to allow Good things to be what ignites your passion and your heart. Enjoy the things of God. How many of you have fun living for God? Man, there's some from the depressed people in here today. I Look, I said, "How many of you love living for God?" And some of you are going. Yeah, just whoopee. No, I'm serious, man. I've had more fun living for God than I ever had when I was in the world. And you know what? I get to lay my head on a pillow at night knowing that if I close my eyes and they don't open, I'm going to wake them up looking at Jesus. I'm going to open him in his presence. So what's he trying to communicate to us? He said, listen, man, you need to enjoy your life. Learn how to enjoy the things of God. Don't put anything in front of God. If we're not careful, we'll allow relationship to draw us away from God. We'll allow the opportunity to make a quick buck to draw us away from God. We'll allow a job opportunity to separate us from God. I'm telling you, there's nothing in this life that I want to get in between me and God. Somebody say it with me, nothing. Paul talks about this in in, in 2 Timothy 4 and 10. He talks about a man by the name of Demas. And he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. What's he saying? He's saying Demas got his focus on something other than God. And it took him away from the presence of God. That's the danger in focusing on the wrong thing. When you focus on the wrong thing, you end up doing the wrong thing. When you're focused on things that draw you away from God, before long you find your love growing cold and away from God. In Revelations 2, starting with verse 2, listen to what it says. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I know all the things you do, He's talking to a church. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. I looked at that passage, and I never, honestly, when I looked at this, I asked myself a question that I'd never thought about before. I asked this question. What took them away? What was it that caused their love to grow cold? Why is God warning them that if you don't get this right, if you don't get your heart with me, your candle's going out? And as I looked at it, There's nothing that comes out and declares what it was that took them, that caused their love to grow cold. But as I started looking at it and studying it, something occurred to me. It occurred to me that their focus wasn't on God. Now, God commends them for their love of the truth. But when you read it, you find out that they're focused on everybody else's fault. Ooh. Aren't you glad you don't have any? That's what sometimes we act like, right? But how many of you know that you've got faults? How many in here have faults? Raise your hand. Matter of fact, anybody in here without a fault stand up. And once you stand up, I'll point out your fault. Because your fault is you stood up. Say, so what are you talking about? The book of Job. Job makes a statement, and he said, "Though I say I'm perfect, my own lips prove me perverse." What's he saying? He's saying, "Man, if I'm sitting here trying to tell you that I'm all that in a bag of chips, I'm I'm going to prove the very thing that I'm saying I am not." When love grows thin. Faults become dominant. Thick, thank you. When, grow, when love grows thin, faults grow thick. You ever seen a thick fault? You know what I'm talking about? Well, I see it all the time. It's always in somebody else. <laughs> right? Never any thick faults in me. Oh, I might have a thin hairline one or something, but, you know, like a run in somebody's pantyhose, but I'm not, not, not moi, It, it, it just was like a light came on when I saw that. And I thought, wow. They had loved God, but because they got their focus wrong, they even loved the truth. But their, when they got their focus on others instead of on God, it nearly cost them their relationship. How many of you know it's the same today? so here's my question how do we keep the fires of love burning how how do we do that look up and believe say it with me look up and believe now I'm talking about you gotta fall in love with God matter of fact let me let me read this as I'm reading this they're going to put a clip up that is a time-lapsed video of the sky in the middle, what's that, what's that desert called? Death Valley. Death Valley, thank you. In the middle of Death Valley. You watch that and listen to these words. Psalms 19 verses one to four. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. When you look at that and you tell me there is no God, you've got to be looking with your eyes closed. When you look up and you declare, you see his glory, it speaks for itself. I may never have seen him, but I've seen his handiwork. And when I see what he's done, it makes me recognize there's a big God that loves me. There's a God that's bigger Than all my problems that's bigger than all my fears that's bigger than any circumstance or situation I'm facing so what I've got to do is get my eyes off the problem and get my eyes on God look up and believe somebody shout it out look up when I was a kid I used to lay in grass I didn't know anything about God I'd lay in grass and look up at the trees I'd watch birds fly through the air and I remember in my, in the, I, I, I couldn't have been more than eight years old. And I remember looking up and saying, there's got to be a God. Somebody had to make this. I pray I never lose that. The reason I'm preaching this message today is because of something that happened to me last week. What happened to you last week, pastor? I looked up. I went outside at night and it was a really clear night and I looked up and the stars were brilliant the moon was shining bright and when I looked up something just overwhelmed me and I thought God you are so good and I heard the Lord speak to my spirit and say tell the people to look up look up Quit looking because we're living in a world right now that's surrounded with uncertainty. There's so much deception and lies and betrayal that's going on. We're in a world where people are killing other people for no reason at all. It makes no sense. It's spun off its axis. But if you keep looking at that, you're going to find yourself drawing cold in God. You've got to look past the problem. You've got to look up and understand that he's still God and he's still able. When you look up, it does something to you. When you look up, you recognize that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When you look at the galaxies like that, you recognize that my problem's not as big as I thought it was, that God is able to handle it. Somebody shout it with me, look up. Now, I'm serious. Look up. We complicate and turn things in to huge obstacles that could be resolved like that if we would just look up. How many of you have ever gotten in an argument with your spouse? You don't have to raise your hand on that. Just shout yes. (laughs) And I, I, do you ever notice how it can escalate? starts out that it's really a little of nothing and then before it's over it's like (laughs) World War III going on and you realize when you stop long enough to think about what you're doing you realize how stupid it all is any stupid people no I'm (laughs) you know what I'm talking about you realize You know what? This could all be resolved with a I'm sorry. And we're ready to go there. Are you sorry yet? Are you sorry yet? Go ahead, say it. I'm sorry. It'll all be over. We want to ascribe it to someone else. When you're focused on faults, instead of on God. You ever get in front of a really big mirror and a really bright light? We have a television at our house that every actor would despise. Our television has so much clarity I can see every pimple on their face. Every blemish, every so then sometimes instead of watching the program you're going she's wearing a wig <laughs> Am I <telling> the truth? <laughs> she didn't even know what the story was they're wearing a wig that's that's that, that's got extensions there there's extensions there I see that wig and, and man I got to doing it is she wearing dentures <laughs> no that's just her gums man it looks like dentures to me <laughs> picking apart the person and missing the whole story. Wow. You want to know what the story is? That we're all sinners that have been saved by grace. (laughs) That's the power of the gospel. So You say, Pastor, do you have any faults? Well, absolutely. You want to know what they are? Talk to my wife. (laughs) Truth is, she won't tell you. Because love covers. When we look up, it puts everything else in perspective. We travel to the Appalachian Mountains. There's a place I always take people that go with us. Two places, actually. One place is I take them to the highest point in Kentucky. It's called Black Mountain. We cross over. There's a line there where you cross from Kentucky to Virginia. And then you walk out, and from that perspective, you're able to see And this is what I see. I see a huge mountainside that has been stripped bare because people were more concerned about what was under it than what was on it. There's another place we go, and I'm not even sure what the name of that place is. It's inside Shenandoah. Is it Shenandoah? No, Kingdom Come State Park. I don't know where I got Shannon to. Kingdom Come State Park, and you walk down this little path, and you come out over on this cliff, and there's a balcony on it. And you're literally standing on the edge of a rock. You can see four states from there, and it's Beautiful. Why do you take them there? Because it changes your perspective. You see, if the only place I take them is the camp, then all they see is all the needs. But if I can take them to that spot, then they're able to see the God that supplies all the needs. Would you stretch your hands to heaven and love them with me right now? Father, I thank you. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand with me. If you would throw that picture back up of Death Valley. (laughs) Death Valley, what a name. But when you look at that, I don't see death, I see life. We need to spend time with him. Go on a date with him. How many of you ladies in here like it when your husband or your significant other, your your girlfriend, I mean not your girlfriend, your boyfriend. I gotta be careful. Your, your boyfriend takes you on a date. Now keep in mind, I don't want you to feel any pressure. But if you don't raise your hand, don't you ever complain about setting home alone again? So how many of you like it when you get taken out on a date. Hold your hand up, ladies, hold it up. Guys, take a look, take a look. She likes it. Now, how many of you like it when you hear them say how much they love you? Hold that up if you, if you like that. You ever hear that saying, ladies, what's good for the goose? It's good for the gander. So if you, be, if you like being told how much you're loved, then you ought to share how much you love. Now, if we care about that, how much more does God care about that? God wants to know he's loved. Now, us that are men in here, let me talk to you for a second, because sometimes we can get this macho thing going on, and we, we don't communicate our love to God like we ought to. We're afraid to say things like, God, I love you, and I need you. I want you with all my heart. Because those things open us up. But can I tell you, it's those things that change our lives. James talked about Abraham, and he said it wasn't just Abraham's words that made him the friend of God. It was his actions. When we take the initiative to lead our family, to lead them in prayer, to lead them to seek him, it changes everything. David makes a statement and he says thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. When David spent spent time with God, when he told God how much he loved him, and remember David is the greatest warrior you've ever seen in Scripture, and he's also the greatest lover. This man loves God like nobody's business. God said, he's a man that's after my own heart. He knew how to love on God. He knew how to pour it out. And this is what David ends up saying when all of a sudden he spent that time with him and he's, he's, he's let, communicated his love for God. Then in Psalms 97, he makes a statement, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Shout it with me. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Let the earth, the earth rejoice. Another way to say that is the Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Shout again, the Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Shout it again, the Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. What would happen if we just started shouting that and declaring that? After a while, we'd all be believing that. So go ahead, everywhere you go, let your love for him shine. Don't hide it back. Look up and believe. Let the world see that he lives in you. Are you ready to do that? I said, are you ready to do that? Oh, but pastor, pastor, I got faults. You do? Everybody does. We're talking about a God that looks past our fault and sees our need and then he helps us change. Everybody say change. When we begin to look up and believe, it brings revival. We're getting ready to pray. Jesus is at a well. There's a woman that's been there with him, and he sent her on her way. Disciples show up, and they're looking at him and thinking, man, what's going on? And all of a sudden, he said, you say four months, and then comes harvest. Harvest. He said, Look up. When they looked up, what did they say? What did they see? They saw a field that had just been planted. How do you know that? Because he said, You say four months and then comes harvest. What's he talking about? He's saying, You're looking at a natural process. That field has just been sown and you're saying four months and then the harvest is coming. But he said I'm telling you to look up. Look past what's in the natural. Look beyond what you comprehend. Look up for the fields are white all ready to harvest. What did he, what was he looking at? He was looking at all the people that were coming from that town that that little lady had just gone into and said, you got to come meet a man that told me everything I ever did. This is the Messiah. The is king. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. She was sharing it. How many of you ready for a revival to break out in you? See, it's got to start in you before it starts anyplace else. Somebody said, oh, man, I need a revival. Well, then smile and get happy. <laughs> Are you ready for it? I want you to come to the front of this building right now. Just move to the front as quickly as you can. Oh, I see you're hungry for revival. We ought <laughs> to. I'm not picking at you. I guess I am. But we got, we've got to get to the place that our hunger supersedes what anybody says. You've got to get to the point that you don't care what anybody says about you, that you want God. I don't want to lose what I had when I first knew him. I'd strap a bullhorn on the back of my Jeep and drive around town yelling, he's alive. He's alive, Jesus is alive. I I didn't care who was out there. Man, I drove up in the middle of an auction one time. That auctioneer had a little bitty microphone like that, a little bitty bullhorn. I had one like this on the back of my Jeep. I just smiled. Drove right up in the middle of it. When I got through, everybody was sold on Jesus. It's your excitement. It's your love for him that attracts others. There have been people that have looked at my wife and said man i want what she's got strangers just because you've got to let it show you've got to declare it do you understand how important you are do you understand that you have a vital role to play say pastor i don't feel important doesn't matter how you feel it's about how god feels about you so if you're going to go on how you feel then you're never going to reach that place he wants you to be. Because you'll never feel about you the way he feels about you. He loves you so much, Daryl. He'd rather die for you than live without you. Love doesn't get any better than that. So as you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Just stretch your hands to heaven. Hey, come here just a second, would you? Yeah. If you would, just stretch your hands to heaven just as you raise your hands up look I don't know what your name is but let me share something with you don't don't take offense to what I'm going to say okay you've tried to do things your own way so long and it's got you into trouble over and over and over again am I telling you the truth now I don't know who you are but he does stretch he said i'm actually going through all this right now stretch your hands to do you understand that he wouldn't reveal it if he didn't want to heal it he wouldn't tell me if he didn't want to fix it but you've got to open your heart to him not just your head not just not just going through a routine but you've literally got to open your heart and fall in love with him i see a point in your life where you were in love with him mm stretch your hands to heaven with me right now church now look I know that may seem strange help him back up here just a second say well pastor what was that about now did I push you down no no this is what I'm trying to get you to see that God is real God is real. He's able to take care of our problems. I had some guy show up in Texas coming to the front to give me a whipping. And all of a sudden he wound up in the floor. Why? Because God is real. Let him be real. Let's quit putting him in a box and let him be real. Now, look, it's real as what you just experienced. You're still trying to. That's it's okay. Just stretch your hands to heaven and say, and see what God's wanting you to see is He can handle it. He can take care of it. Just raise your hands to with to him one more time and say, God, I know you've got it. I know I know. In Jesus' name. Come on in, love it. He said, I believe. I need you to stay with me.
1: I believe. Is right, right. Said, I believe, I believe, say it, I believe.
0: Believe he said said, it's done. What you said is usually going to get in your way. That's why you're a lot better off to keep your mouth shut unless you're declaring his word. Somebody say it with me. I believe. Come here a minute. I I I believe. You know, there are a lot of things that you ask God for. You're starting to see some of those things come to fruition. But there's so much more that God's going to do in you and through you. I don't want you to limit him in any way. I want you to raise your hands and just say, God, I believe the sky is the limit. Well, no, it's not really. Because he goes beyond that. Just would you stretch your hands to heaven and just begin to love him with me right now. God, I give you praise for what you say. I believe father say with me i love you father i love you father i know that you're doing it right now Someone by the hand right now, would you do it? Just take someone by the hand. I want you to look at each person whose hand you're holding long enough to communicate them to them, I believe. Say it with me, I believe. Look, I I, I do want to do something today, and, and this that's this: that if you're here and you're not sure about all this, I'm just asking you to come up and let me pray with you. You say, Well, why? look if you don't feel nothing you ain't lost nothing but if you feel the presence of God then you've got to acknowledge that God is bigger than what you're facing he's able to take care of the situation falling in love is a wonderful thing sometimes it makes us feel vulnerable When we start to fall in love because we're not sure I told Debbie she could have my ring I gave her my ring and then I said you can still date other guys and I'll date other girls the more I thought about that on the trip home the more I disliked it see I wasn't thinking about her dating other guys when I said it I was thinking about me dating other girls but when I started thinking about her with someone else I called her up, and I said, do you remember what I told you? She said, yeah. And she said, you know, it kind of made her think, what's that supposed to be? And I told her, I said, well, forget it. (laughs) I've changed my mind. I don't want you seeing anybody else, and I don't want to see anybody else. See, sometimes that's the way we date God. God, I love you, but I'm still going to do what I want to do. God either wants all of your heart. Or he's going to tell you, you come back when you can give it to me. Because I'm not going to be half your God. I'm not going to let you do this halfway. You've got to go all the way with him. As you stretch those hands to heaven. just Pray with me right now, Father. We're asking you to overwhelm us with your love. God, break that part of me that keeps trying to hold back and let me surrender all of me to you. Help me to quit focusing on what I'm going through and help me to focus on the one that will go through it with me i look to you today i lift up my eyes i choose to look up and lord i believe i believe you're more than enough and i give you praise for it in jesus name can you give me a hand clap of praise in here today Thank you, Jesus. If you're in here and you've got a special need, you're sick in body or you've got something going on, if you'll come up, we'll pray for you. I believe that God will meet your need. I've got a promise that he does it according to his riches and glory. And my God's not broke. <laughs> if you need to go you can go the Lord bless you and keep you cause his face to smile upon you may you always look up and believe and recognize that greater is the God that goes before you than the problem that you're facing amen thank you father